guys, my name is Dr. Shornell Wolverton Sihan. I'm so excited to introduce to you my new and latest book, The Science of Miracles, Remembering the Frequency of Love. This is your time to shift any kind of negative things that have been in your life that no longer serve you into something beautiful, miraculous, abundant, thriving health, business, partnership, whatever the situation, this is your time. Get the book, apply the principles, and watch the miracles happen for you. All right, guys. All right. My name is Dr. Sharnell Wolverton Sihan. I'm super excited to be with you guys today on a really fun subject, um, a little bit serious, but I think it is going to put some pieces and connect some dots and kind of see the bigger picture of what's going on right now. Um, anyway, um, a few announcements before we get going into that. Please go to swiftfire.org, check out the newsletter. Um, jump into the resources page, um, go to the shop. There's lots of great um, resources there, whether it's books, apps, uh, just reading material. Uh, you can definitely subscribe to the YouTube as well, because then you're going to get all the notifications of all the great speakers that we have coming in that we're doing some great interviews on. Um, Craig, welcome back. Um Hello. We are, we are co-hosting today and we do this every Thursday at noon and we have a really brilliant guest here, a new guest, actually, Julie, who you guys haven't met each other. So let me introduce you to. Nice to meet you, Julie. Oh, nice to meet you. Yeah. Awesome. And we're actually going to be talking about her book, um, Beneath Sheep's Clothing, which if you can hold it up, Julie, just so people can see it, um, the discussion has to do with the communist takeover of our culture, uh, the way things are going um, right now. And I kind of, I've known Julie, what, a decade longer ish. Um, yeah. So she's a practitioner with aromatherapy and I'm a naturopath and do obviously love aromatherapy. And we kind of met learning about health, physical health. Um, but uh, she contacted me about this book that she wrote and I don't know how or why, but I, it, the message was hidden um, in a spam folder and I didn't get it. And then one day we were talking about astrology and how everything affects the ether. And I noticed that she did some missionary work in Russia, which I don't know how I missed that knowing you. Um, but with everything that's going on in the world, specifically regarding Russia and the situation. I just thought, well, wow, this is a great opportunity to bring her in to, you know, kind of give some boots on the ground of what she's experienced, what she's seen, where we are today, how that works together. And then talk about this book that, I mean, oh my gosh, it's full packed of information that kind of, for me, um, helps me understand how to navigate through some of this stuff right now. So without further ado, Julie, if you could just give us a little clip notes of um, you know, a screenshot of your background and kind of what is the birthing of this book. And then we can go into some more things that are specific to now and how that relates to the book. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in the late 90s, I w went to Russia as a missionary for a year and a half and learned the language, lived, you know, in apartments and talk to probably a thousand people, maybe more asking them, you know, about, did they believe in God? And I was really surprised that 
out of everyone I talked to, I only met one atheist. I was really expecting to meet a lot more atheists because it was only a few years after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And uh, I found a, there was a real upswing in belief um, when I was there. And, and I actually also encountered some people with really, really deep roots in faith that it was apparent that, that they and their families had continued their faiths throughout the Soviet, 70 years of Soviet rule. And that really fascinated me. I came back from my mission um, and I started graduate school at Florida State and I studied Russian and East European studies and Russian language and literature. And <clears throat> I had the opportunity to write a master's thesis and I decided to write it on underground Christian movements in the Soviet Union and their survival tactics and the tactics of the soviet government to destroy them so yeah. i was just gonna say i was being facetious like oh total easy subject you know just like let's just talk about that <laughs> yeah it was it was it was quite it took two years to write the thesis and i was really blessed i was able to do a study abroad at moscow state university and do some research there in russia including meeting some people who were members, current members of underground Christian faiths and, and pe people who were members of churches that had once been underground during the Soviet rule. And um, just things started coming together. And um, it was, I can't say it was completely an uplifting experience because I had to read lots of horrible accounts. In fact, the semester or one semester in grad school, I took Soviet history the same semester that I took dissident literature of the Soviet Union. And I think I cried every day that whole semester because um, it's, I already had fallen in love with the people of Russia because I'd already been, I'd already lived there as a missionary. And so to learn more about the history and how deeply traumatized the people were um, because of their government. Um, yeah, it was difficult, but um, I definitely don't regret it. And I basically, with my thesis, looked at the found the three major tactics that the Soviet government used to destroy religion or to try to destroy religion. And then in 2008, I began seeing the same trends happening in America. Um, so that was the genesis of my book. I always felt, even when I was working on my thesis, that this information I was working on was going to be put to use in some way. Other, it wasn't just a master's thesis. I didn't know exactly what, you know, how that would happen, but I began, I actually wrote most of my book in 2010, 2011. I took time off from my businesses and, um, and then I wasn't quite able to finish it. It just seemed like something was missing. And what was missing was 10 years of insane incursion, communist incursion in our schools. That's now so blatant that hopefully people can see what's happening. Um, so I, I decided I pulled my book out of the out of the um, my hard drive and began to finish it about a year ago. And I published it at the very end of March of this year. So. Wow. So I'd love to know. You said there was three major sort of pillars of um, the sort of communist uh, move into. Did you say into schools? Well. Anti-religious, there are three main anti-religious tactics. Yes, no, sorry. What, what, go on, what, what were they, sorry? Yeah. Yes, number one is anti-religious propaganda coupled with pro-communist propaganda. 
and this is where the schools come in quite heavily. Right. Um, schools and media, entertainment, everything. Mm -hmm. Number two is heavy persecution of the religious fringes. So when the, when the Soviet Union first, um, like after the Russian Revolution and they started consolidating power, um, initially in the very early years of the Soviet Union, they went after all Christians. They, they executed, imprisoned, I mean, millions of Christians and pastors and priests especially. Um, destroyed church buildings, destroyed, you know, Bibles and things like that. And what they found by the, by World War II, they found that their tactics were backfiring, that they were, um, there was a lot of underground um, faith that was still, it was actually growing. They were not able to completely destroy religion. So they switched their tactics after World War II. And they began that really heavy persecution only on certain groups. And this were certain groups that were considered illegal. Um, and I'll go more, more into that in a second. The third tactic is infiltration of the legal churches, um, where the K KGB, literally KGB agents sent into the seminaries and then sent into the, church, the Orthodox Church, for example, and other churches too, to lead those churches um, so the government could steer the church and control everything from within the churches. The churches that were not able to be infiltrated, and again, we had underground Baptists, underground Pentecostals, underground Seventh-day Adventists, and also Jehovah's Witnesses were the four groups that I looked at the most. Those, those were the ones that resisted those things. They were the ones that still were heavily arrested, executed, not executed so much, but imprisoned in the gulag and many of them died in the gulag as a result of the horrific conditions there um, raids on their meetings um, kids taken from them and put in foster care to be raised by the government um, really actually to put it put in state-run orphanages where they would try to reprogram the kids um, it was considered damaging that um, for christians to teach their kids that was considered child abuse so the kids had to be taken away from their parents for their own protection, supposedly. Um, so yeah, I began seeing all that happening in America and it was, the more I looked, the worse the picture got. So I, I knew I had to write this book. So. One thing that I wanna say, I mean, cause Craig and I, we come from a religious background, but I we're definitely not religious. Um, and I can understand why there'd be some, something trying to infiltrate to keep people from maybe the programming. Um, but Christ consciousness is a whole different thing, love, truth, and what have you. And what's interesting is when, um, we've done scalar waves on Putin, for example, he has amazing numbers. Really? Yeah. And it's, so it's kind of confusing when you see, you know, Jesus at a thousand and love at 500 and Putin's at 450. And so is another person that used to be our president that some people still think is the president and their numbers are the same. Um, yeah, it's so I think it goes a little bit deeper as far as not necessarily the head of the guy who's the thing. Um, and Craig can attest to this too, just because I don't know how much you want to go into it, Craig, with the whole Ukraine thing and your, your family members, mm -hmm. but you know, there was all these people who wanted to flee the Ukraine because of the horrific situation that was there. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden when, when the president, when 
the Russian president stops in and says whatever, and then this war is going on. Not that there isn't a war, there really is. It's 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 confusing when I look at the numbers and say like, well, what's really going on? Who's really driving this ship? What's what's really him and what isn't him? What can he not even control? What can he control? Because we all know when we had our other president, there were things going on in the, in the United States that was nothing having to do with our president at the time. They were just kind of like, had to go along with whatever Congress or the House of Representatives was doing um, because of that balance that they put in to make sure that one person can't dictate, right? Mm -hmm. And so as much as headway as we made during that four years, there was also a lot of things that were constantly um, kind of the undercurrent of like just the the Russian, um, you know, thing where they were saying he was co collaborating with them or whatever, or just, you know, all that mess that went on and it's still going on, which is a whole different subject. But can you speak to like how much, you know, how do you know where this is all coming from? Because when, when Craig's family left, then all of a sudden it was like, they they were upset with the new guy doing whatever instead of the actual government that was in place before. And I was like, don't you remember? And then at the same time, here we are now with the president that we have now, whatever that situation is. And we don't have any say or what have you and what dumbass things they do. You know, we're just along with the ride again, just like the Russians who are there with their situation. It's like they can't stop it. I have tons of Russian friends who are upset about the whole thing going on and they're being blamed and outed and canceled. And, you know, so many, you know, they've taken corporations out of Russia and quit selling to Russia and all this stuff. And it's like the people suffer in the middle and they don't have any say about anything. They can't do anything about it. Same with the Ukraine. So speak a little bit into that. I don't know if that's too hot of a topic, but. It's definitely not my area of expertise, but what I can say with certainty is that I do not trust our me our media portrayal of any of those events going on in Ukraine. I don't trust the media portrayal of Putin as the world's boogeyman. Um, I do have a number of friends and acquaintances in Russia or from Russia or from the former Soviet Union with family members from Ukraine, Russia. I mean, First of all, Russia and Ukraine are like brothers. They're like brother countries. Their peoples are very closely tied. Yeah, is Russia the older brother that historically has maybe dominated? Yes. Um, but I believe this, this stoking of anger, this attempt to stoke anger between Ukrainians and Russians is, is manufactured. It looks very manufactured to me. There has been a little bit of animus there um, over the last couple of hundred years where the Ukrainians, basically Ukraine was a country of peasants. And um, when the Soviet Union came along, that was the first industrialization. Um, Ukraine had a little bit of a national consciousness before that, but not that much. They were both, they, they have amazing land, amazing earth, they, the fruits and vegetables that come out of Ukraine and Southern Russia are amazingly loaded with nutrition, like mm. unbelievably. And so those people were growing food in one of the most productive parts of the world. So they didn't have, 
necessarily an idea that they wanted their own country. So this now thing where they have to be separate, it seems manufactured. I know there was a war um, going on since that coup that took place 14 years ago. There's been um, Ukrainian army has been shelling civilians in the Donbass region, ethnic Russians, and they killed like 14,000 civilians. Nobody ever reported on that. I saw a short documentary about it that just about tore my heart out. Um, it was extremely graphic. I mean, it was showing bodies and um, horrific carnage. Um, I really don't like this conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Mm. I do see that there are globalist forces that have hijacked Ukraine. And, um, you know, I do have Russian friends that believe Putin is in the right. And I, because I don't trust our media, I'm willing to consider that possibility. I don't think that Putin is necessarily perfect, but he has tried to do some good for his people. He has not, for, for instance, he has not wanted his people to be over vaccinated. He has not wanted his people. He has, the, the standard of living in Russia now compared to what it was when I lived there is not even close. Mm -hmm. My Russian friends that, back when I was there in the late nineties, people were making $30 a month on average. And of course things cost less there. Uh, but now I have friends that I met in Russia back in the late nineties. They're able to travel internationally. They're, they have money for that. They have nicer apartments. They have um, a much higher standard of living. And I do think that Putin has worked hard towards that. I'm not going to say that everything is perfect about him because anyways, that's not my area of expertise, but that's my sense on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I hear horror stories of things that have gone on having a Ukrainian family. Uh, um, it, it's it's married family, uh, not blood. Um, but what I'm really, really with, with your book, I'm really, really interested because I can see it, and I know many other people can see just how even in the past 20 years, there has been a concerted effort to um, influence the culture. I mean, I mean, Western civilization is is that they, they are they are trying to collapse it. There's no question about it. Um, and when I say they, I think we're, are we all in agreement of who that is? It's these this there is a globalist deep state issue and. Anybody that thinks that there's there's national wars that that cut and dry anymore, it's just not true. That there is things going on behind the scenes that we have no idea about, um, and we're dealing with with these kind of corporate owners, oligarchs that basically own world governments. They are they are really really pushing for a global government. Um, they're really pushing it hard, and obviously, my opinion, and it is just that. Um, so don't quote me on this. Is, is that Russia were have been standing in the way of that? Yeah. Um, and so obviously they've demonised them. Um, obviously, I think I think what, what's going on with Ukraine is horrific. I've seen some awful things. Um, but I ask, who's doing it? You know, uh, my conspiratorial mind uh, switches on. However, referring back to your book and and how they're trying to bring in a, a global communist world order um, that they're, they're not even quiet about it they, they they've they've said it over and over again they want a one world government under a, a communist regime um, and and how i mean america i mean i mean i'm in the uk and you know even over here we see that america are really the last bastion of, of freedom and truth 
And so, you know, these these corrupt guys have, have spent billions and billions to try and infiltrate your nation. What are the main signs that you can see that you point out in your book um, that, that kind of show us what they've been doing and how long has it been going on as, as far as you can see? Yeah, great question. So in the first part of my book, I go through each of those three Soviet anti-religious tactics and I show and I show how that happened in the Soviet Union. And then that's like the first one third of the book. The last two thirds is how this is happening in America and has been happening. So one of the things that was a big shocker to me when I learned this is that actually Lenin and the Bolshevik Revolution, guess who that was funded by? I can guess, but go on. It was funded by big monopolist, monopolistic capitalists in America and some other big corporations and banks in Europe. And, you know, it was a big investment to invest. Even if you take the political ideology out of it, here was an opportunity for them to help quickly industrialize the biggest country in the world and make money off of it. So even just with that, but then you look even further and some of these um, monopolistic capitalists from America who they basically took over every institution in America. They were able to buy out healthcare, um, the Federal Reserve, banking. They, they completely took over education in America, starting with um, the universities and then the teachers colleges and then spreading down through K through 12 and the churches. And so some of these Gilded Age robber barons um, literally funded avowed communists. There was one, there's several examples. Well, let's just go to education. They, they had a whole group of people who went to China and went to the Soviet Union to, to study education and to figure out some things. And they came back um, with you know, glowing reviews, one of them in particular, he's considered the father of American education, just John Dewey, and glowing reviews about the Soviet Union and um, implementing all these changes in our schools here in America. So we had, I have an, actually in two chapters in my book, I go through the 10 steps to like, how do we go with our education system from an education system that promoted freedom and freedom of thought and entrepreneurship um, to what we have today, which is horrific <laughs> beyond words. And the first step was getting just a few people in charge of all of that. Um, we don't have time to go into all of those details, but there was an effort to dumb down the, the people, the children of America, very deliberate, again, over, beginning over a hundred years ago. Right. Um, they they changed they stopped teaching phonics with reading they the, the reading you know ability of americans has has um suffered greatly and many other things that they did um use these different weird teaching theories that did not work and they kept pushing forward with them and then we get into more modern times i mean well it's really hard hard to summarize all of this um let me just read some of the 10 steps. Step one, allow a few corrupt people to make decisions for the many, their education, I go through that. Step two, replace God with secular humanism, replace morality with sexual permissiveness. That was one that was important. There were actually um, 
the cultural Marxists in Europe, after they were, the Marxists were expecting that the Western nations would just fall to communism. Like they expected and by, by the thirties, the twenties and thirties, when that wasn't happening, they were surprised. And what they did is they got together and they're like, okay, if we're going to spread into Western nations like America, UK, et cetera, first we have to, we have to destroy the cultural hegemony, which is keeping them so that they're not falling to communism. Yeah. So that's, let's see, that's their faith in God. We got to tear that down. Yeah. Morality, we've got to tear that down and any number of other things. So that's a big part of it. Uh, <clears throat> step three, replace patriotism with globalism. In the schools, they, they really had to tear down patriotism, and now we see how far that's gone. Yeah, yeah I mean, burning flags, and it's, it's almost like bad if you're a patriot. But going back to the education, would you say common core math or what, all of that would be under that umbrella? That was so stupid. Yeah, I don't appreciate common core math. And I do think that that at the top, there are people that are very glad that that's confusing a lot of children. Um, and parents, I mean, because when they came home for me anyway, yeah, I would just do it the way I did it. And they'd say, well, we can't do it that way. And then the teachers would say, you have to do it our way, but they weren't explaining to us. I mean, if you have to explain it to an adult over and over and over and they still can't get it. I mean, I'm not a dumbass. Like I know shit. So I have good numbers to understand things. And that wasn't understandable like it made zero sense but anyway i could see how that would be confusing but i'm just had to jump in on that but keep right. Going. right um teach the basics poorly on purpose that's part of common core math and um the reading and then we get into the literally explicit communist indoctrination and preparing children for the woke communist revolution then we have the more modern steps um Step five, insert operant conditioning, teaching methods and brainwashing computerized curricula. It's very, very far reaching right now. Mm-hmm. The kids are just sitting at their computers and they get the little ding and they're just clicking and um, not really learning that much, but it's definitely conditioning them. And step six, critical theories in the school promoting wokeness. So we have critical race theory, gender theory, queer theory. Then we've got our, um, and also hypersexualizing children in the schools with um, comprehensive sexuality education, which is shocking. Um, This was first done by communists in Hungary. There was a communist takeover in like 1919 or something like that in Hungary. But it was, and the one guy was like, the fastest way to destabilize Hungary, we're going to go into the schools and we're going to like totally hypersexualize the kids. And but Hungary kicked that regime out. They were like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Now they ended up having to deal with the Soviet Union later. But um, communists have used hypersexualizing children um, as a way to radicalize the populace because it separates children from their families and their religion and their traditions, and it makes them more susceptible to political radicalization. Yeah, look exactly what's going on. I mean, this is something because I've got a pair. I'm, I'm a parent. Um, got a 14 year old daughter and a nine year old daughter an 18 year old stepson and um the, the what i see they are bombarded everywhere they look with hypersexualized stuff it's everywhere yeah um and as a parent you, you can't stop them seeing it it's literally everywhere um so you've got to sort of 
tell them you know you've got to be open and honest about it with them like you know this this isn't right and and you know i, I don't care what about a person's sexuality or anything like that but the whole lgbt movement is a marxist movement outright it, it's it's designed to awaken something in children that that they don't need to be awakened to you know and it's all in the in the name of peace and love and inclusion and and this is why i tell people that that you know left-wing politics i don't have any problem with right or left you know I, I, I like to look at the best bits of both um but then you know you get the left-wing left-wing politics is the is the vehicle of choice in our generation of this extremist agenda um and and it, it's it's blatant, but so many people think, oh, you know, you just you just got to be acceptable, accepting of everyone, which you do. They're absolutely right. However, they piggyback on that this this hypersexualized culture, and there is a real culture war going on right now. I mean, it's it's rife over here in the UK, and and from what I see, it is in the US as well. You know, and and what Mr. T, you know, who I'm referring to, did. Was abs was stepped into that system and smashed the mind control of political correctness. He just came in and he just blurted anything out that he wanted to say, and and it was done on purpose. He just smashed it all up, and I think he's given you guys a lifeline. I really do, and I don't think it's over by any stretch. But do, do, without <laughs> ruining the channel, you know. Do you do you see that that was a a, a move of, of patriots who can see what's going on? Um, sort of the past, the president forty five. Yeah, yeah, he was a wrecking ball to that um, the agendas of the global elite, and I I applauded that at the time, and I still do. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more people awake now. And, um, you know, we may not be able to, to prevent all of these agendas from being moving forward, but we can put wrenches. We can constantly put wrenches in the system so we can try to slow that encroachment down, you know, and it's not just communism. So what, what they have in China now, it's, it's this fascist communist combination. And I, what it looks like to me that we're, that is going to be tried to happen here in the well the, for the globalist global government it's going to be this weird chimera of communism, fascism, and predatory monopolistic capitalism. Right. Because I can see that. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And um, so that's not very good. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's really important that we have this conversation that, that, you know, that people are aware because what I find with what a lot of people do is they, they it's not nice, it's not comfortable. No. Um, but it, we need to be aware, particularly as parents as well. We need to be aware. We really do. Um, and, the, you know, they're not even hiding the agenda anymore. It is so blatant. Post yeah. We just had a back to school drag show in one of the most conservative cities in the whole country, Provo, Utah, last week. Back to school drag show, all ages welcome. And they did a drag show, and these this is actually funded by big corporations. It's not mm -hmm. happening organically. They did a drag show in my small town in southern Utah, in a in a park that is right across from the children's museum. They did a drag show there, and um, just last month, two months ago maybe now, but they're going around. And again. I don't have any animus against people who are gay or trans and yeah. we, everyone has a place at the table in society, 
but yeah, it's the agenda to radicalize and to, it's not, sorry, like you don't get to teach my child about that. Sorry. Oh. It's inappropriate, yeah. Uh, my thing is too, like even Jason Aldean's wife just came out, Brittany, on Tucker and her Instagram and what have you. And she made a really good point. She basically was like children, like everything has like an age appropriate thing, whether it's a, a PG 13 versus rated R or X, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, certain medications, you know, driver's license, voting, joining the military, all these things have age appropriate things. So why isn't there age appropriate on some of the content that's going out on TikTok or what have you? Um, why is there not anything about, you know, age appropriate stuff for certain surgeries, you know, that we're finding a lot of people who've had these surgeries then come back and change their mind because they were just convinced or it was hypey or trendy or, you know, you know, and once you know how the algorithms work, once you click a certain thing, you're going to get, or the kids, whoever are going to get like 29 other things in the feed, according to whatever that thing is. So they're bombarded with that over and over until they could be brainwashed or convinced that something's going on. And they do something so drastic because their teachers or whoever is encouraging it, or in some cases, parents, um, in all these like subtle things with, and in your face things with movies and music and celebrities and blah, blah, blah. So um, they're finding that people want it to be undone after they're grown and realize what they've done and want to get it done. But Jason Aldean's wife, she comes out and says all this stuff. Next thing you know, he, his PR company has been one of them. I don't, I think it was 10 or 20 years. They cancel him. So mm -hmm. like, if you talk about it and you go against whatever, even if you're not really quote against the situation like i'm obviously for whatever anyone wants to do i just don't think it should be talked about to a 10 year old or a nine year old or a 14 year old in the middle of like that age is such a and without parental permission right if parents right. want to talk to their kids about that that's their choice but see no one wants someone to go into a kindergarten and teach bible classes at a public school because that's a specific ideology and this gender and queer theory are marxist critical theories, just like critical race theory. Yeah. And they are an ideology. And yeah, they don't get to teach this to our kids, but they do. And they do through the social and emotional learning. There's um, a whole issue was something that I worked with a group of parents locally to get pornographic books removed from the public school libraries. And I'm not talking like books with like a little innuendo. I'm talking like full on pornographic content, like shockingly so. And Strangely enough, throughout my state of Utah, there are many school districts that will not remove those books. The ACLU comes after and has lawsuits and they go after the school board members. And there's people that are in the, the schools and in the school districts that are either communist sympathizers or they're just duped. They're just stupid. <laughs> they're just yeah. duped. I have to agree. Yeah, because um like I said before, you know, I have no problem with left-wing politics. I think it's got some really good points to it, but it's it's the extreme that they push it to, um, you know. And over here, we've just had uh, in my hometown. I live on the northwest coast, uh, a little town called Blackpool. I don't know if you've heard of it mm -hmm. um, on, the, on the coast, and um, it was a very very liberal town. Um, it had a big 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 
gay community you know there's got something called the pink pound here brings a lot of money into the town and stuff and i've got a lot of gay friends and fine you know they're brilliant people um but they recently had a um this whole drag story time for kids in the local right. library yeah. um it's never happened over here because you know in the uk we're, we're generally quite conservative as a nation you know um and <laughs> these, these, these a couple of grandparents stormed it and started like throwing stuff around and protested it and everything so what happens they spin it so that they're victims and it's like oh that you know we're, we're still victimized and all this sort of stuff and it's like this cultural that we have to be smart about how we we deal with this we must never ever get out of a place of love for these people because we do love them but we will not tolerate you doing this to our children that's the bottom line you know and there is a way to go about it and smashing stuff up and fighting is exactly what they want because civil unrest will bring in a, a world order they want us to fight each other they constantly that's why they, they want race wars they want lgbt wars they want you know real, uh, christianity and islam fighting they, they want everything to keep us if we're fighting each other then they can bring order from the chaos which is the mantra of many secret societies order out of chaos Absolutely. it's there when you when you know when you know and and I find interesting is, is you've done the work and you've seen how you know this happened in in russia what, what how long ago was it in russia that this happened by the way so i mean 1917 um we, we have the you know bolshevik revolution and the russian revolution so the big difference between communism being implemented in the soviet in russia and the in the soviet union and where they're trying to infiltrate they are and have infiltrated western um society is that Russia was fresh, like they were barely, barely industrialized. The, the peasantry had just been liberated from serfdom like 30 years before, 40, like a few decades before. They were mostly illiterate. They did not have widespread schooling. And so the communists were able to get right then when all that stuff was forming and just take, take hold of it from the get-go. Whereas um, it's been more of a chore in Western culture um, because there's been institutions that formed previously that had yeah. quite a big hold on society that they had to all be infiltrated. Yeah, yeah. So, well, if you think about it, what, what would be ideal would be if there was a massive global situation that locked everything down um, and that would instill massive rules on everyone um, mm -hmm. and that would crush the economy, Western economy, and, and, and crush Western civilization. That would be ideal. That would serve some sort of reset that we they would want, wouldn't it? You know? Well, yeah, I'm happy you brought that up. I want to talk now really quick about Yuri Biasmenov. He was a KGB agent who defected to the West in the late 70s, and he laid out the four steps of communist subversion of a society. Mm -hmm. And you, you have a pretty good handle on it. Step one, demoralization. This takes between 15 to 20 years for communists to go in and take over the education of the rising generation and train them up to see communism as a good thing and socialism as a good thing. And in 1985, when this KGB agent who defected had been interviewed, he said we were already way over. America was way over fulfilled at that point with demoralization. Uh, it already had been going on for a few generations. Step two is what you just mentioned and that is destabilization mm -hmm. it takes between two and two to five years to destabilize a society to destabilize the medical industry the economy the international relations the energy 
production, all these different facets of society mm -hmm. for America and Western countries. This is a big nut to crack, this destabilization. Um, we're already well underway since March 2020. I think it's pretty obvious. Two and a half years into it already, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then step three is crisis, and this is a hostile takeover of the government. And step four is called normalization, and that's basically just the ongoing implementation of communism. And I had a really, those are his four steps. We're like, we, we can have crisis at any time, but then actually as I was thinking about it over these last few months, perhaps we already have had a hostile takeover of our government. Mm -hmm. And now perhaps we're having all four of these steps going on at the same time. They're continuing with the demoralization. They're hammering through all the destabilization. They already did a hostile takeover to a large degree of the government in America and perhaps lots of other places. And they're trying to normalize all of this and get people thinking that this is the right way to go. I think it's all happening at once. Not a very safe situation to be in. I mean, you know, sorry, Sean, I keep talking here, but it's, it's a topic really, really sort of, you know the whole culture war and what's going on when you can see it it's like how how do you wake people up to this so i'm really thrilled we're having this conversation um this is where and you can see why they crush religious thought and idea because they don't want you to to connect with anything bigger than them yeah um yeah. And, go on sorry you well getting to the second step that communists take to try to destroy religion or control religion is heavy persecution of the religious fringes that definitely has been happening in America. The two main examples that I explore in my book are the Branch Davidians of Waco, Waco Texas, that whole thing. And then the FLDS fundamentalist Latter-day Saints having their um, ranch raided and all the kids forcibly taken and put in foster care. That was in 2008 and Branch Davidians was that whole thing was in 1993. Those are the two most blatant examples. Again, not very popular groups, um, highly demonized in the press, a one-sided material. There's probably some problems with both of those groups, but that could, the due process would have been the proper way to handle yeah. the issues, yeah. not militarized raids. <laughs> and right. in, the, in the example of the Branch Davidians, the forensic evidence shows that, that our government gunned them down when they were trying to escape their burning compound. So, well, yeah. yeah, this this is the time. I mean, if you pray, now's the time to pray and not not be in fear. Because I I truly I believe in humanity. I believe that we've got this. I think that we, this is why we are here for this time. Um, you know, the powers that be, that the real powers that be, saw, and I believe we've been sent to to deal with this crap. Absolutely. Um, but, the, the third the third step is infiltration of the churches and. Yeah. This was funded beginning over 100 years ago by the Gilded Age robber barons to, to send literal Marxist communists into the seminaries. Um, by, the, by the 50s and 60s, 1950s and 1960s, roughly half of America's mainline Christian churches were already infiltrated from the top with communists, avowed communists. Um, some of them just right out in the open, completely open. It's all documented. And now in more recent times, it's um, evangelicals have been greatly targeted and there's been major headway there. And then there's been infiltration in other ways um, also. But basically, if we belong, anyone who belongs to a highly centralized, large 
church in America, your church would be prime target for infiltration. And we should all just assume that our church is infiltrated unless it's a teeny tiny mom and pop yeah. church with little power. So, yeah, I think people are feeling that too. And a lot, there's been such a, not just because of the C happened and where we couldn't meet together, but I think just in general, the programming, people are kind of just over that and want ready to remember going within and listening to the God within us instead of all these rules and different things that, you know, um, I obviously believe in God. I know everybody here does. And maybe some of you watching don't, and that's fine too. I'm cool with everybody wherever you're at. But um, I think there was a, like a mass exodus um, and, and an opportunity for people to really awaken with what's happened. And, and this is kind of like, backfired in some ways with what they meant to do is actually, you know, when people were home during that time, this just giving them time to research and look up things. And instead of just vegging out on Netflix for three years, they were looking at documentaries and researching some things and kind of seeing where some things weren't lining up and um, causing them to dig deeper and to look at some things. And so I'm, I'm with you, Craig, I believe in humanity. And I believe that when you overplay your hand, which they have, um, some of this is just so startling, like in your face, shocking that I think it's caused some people to go like, wait a minute. And there's been some shifts in consciousness and some ideas and programming and people have kind of wake woke up to realize like these things aren't making sense. You know, um, when it's so in your face, it's like the whole um, thing about the frog jumping in the boiling water. I think there's been a boiling water situation where people are like, whoa, that's too hot. I'm out of here. Let me look more into what I've thought I believed and unravel the cord here. And I, you know, I think at first when people have that moment there, there's a little bit of depression, a little bit of untrust of like, who's who in the zoo? Who do I believe? You know, what have I believed? Don't know the soul. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Why yeah. have I believed this? Let's go back and find mm -hmm. the roots of things. And, you know, confusion is, you know, definitely a, a big part of, you know, the wake up process of just trying to figure things out and sort through what's real. What isn't, who am I, you know, what do I, what do I go? Where do I go now? Um, but I know you got to jump off and I just wanted to end with, you know, an encouraging part of, you know, this is our time. This is yes. the time to really tap into your divinity, to really tap into who we are, you know, and who God is in us and to be the biggest form of expression of that and to, you know, manage and get through some things, you know, no matter what we need to do is just um, set ourselves up for the highest and best in this situation. And, um, you know, reading your book, I think would give some people some keys to kind of navigate and learn like, okay, you know what, this is some things to look for, you know, you know, yeah. just give some little signposts here and there of like, Oh, you know what? I read about that. I saw that. And this is not a good direction. Maybe I'm going to go the opposite direction. So how can people find your book? How can people find you? Like what would be a way that you can um, just let people know how to find you before we end today? Yeah. My book is available um, from my website, beneathsheepsclothing.com. And also on Amazon, it's available as um, hard copy paperback, and um, got some pictures in here also. 
um, and also as an ebook. And I'm also working with a documentary filmmaker to make a documentary. And very, I have right. the last chapter of my book is about solutions. And the last part of this documentary will be about solutions because we have such an opportunity to rise up, just like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And that is why we, that's why we're here. That's why we decided to come to earth at this time and to face this and to prevail. So um, just please, if anyone um, wants to email me, you can also email me at beneathsheepsclothing at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you know anyone who might want to fund a documentary, have the documentary filmmaker, but not the funding yet. Um, grab my book and share this um, this interview. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank you Thank so you. much. Appreciate yeah, it. Any final words, Craig, before we wrap up? Um, no, I mean, I could talk about this for hours. You know, I think it's a really, really important topic. Um, and it's important that everyone is aware of, of the tactics used on us. They use our compassion against us. Yes. Um, you know, a highly high level witchcraft type manipulation. Again, maybe we'll have to do a part two someday uh, to really delve into the tactics that they use. I'd love to hear what you've got to say. But yeah, thank you so much for doing the work and um, I hope to see you again. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys. Awesome. And definitely, you know, check out all the websites. I'm going to put clickable links to everybody here so you guys can find the um, um, Craig's crystal shop and his music yeah, and find well. Julie's book and be able to find her and you guys can go to swiftfire.org um, and find our resources, our teaching, our bioscans, soul audits, um, all the stuff for the next show. If you guys do um, do your due diligence and share this and also please hit that um, subscribe button so you can get notifications of all the different um amazing people that we're bringing to um to light and to interview so you can have all the big picture and what you're doing and people can um you guys can understand and grow as we grow so love you guys so much definitely share this and i hope you guys have a fantastic week well we'll see you next thursday at noon we'll be here so be there be square talk to you soon all right bye right hi my name is Dr. Charnel Wolverton Sihan. I am so excited to introduce to you my 80 card deck of crystals, oils, and decrees. Yes, all these things are frequency. And guess what? You and I are frequency. And when we apply modalities of high frequency, we actually change our frequency. So check out these cards, have frequency in your home, and bring your upgrade today.